The Big Papa Online Network on Blog Talk Radio is on the air. What is At Eye Level? A reductio ad absurd and look at the headlines from politics to pop culture, from the corporate to the individual. Every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, we take a not-so-serious look at the serious issues of the day. Whether it's politics, economics, social issues, music, or old movies and TV shows, we discuss everything the corporate media overlooks while making you laugh at the absurdity of it all. Hell, you've got to have a sense of humor about life. Just look at the headlines. So join me, Matt G. And me, Doc Savage. Every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern as we navigate the sea of trolls, talking points, and trickery. We try to figure out a way to be there when tomorrow comes. At eye level, bringing more to you. Only on the Big Papa Network, on Blog Talk Radio. p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Tune in to Third Eye Cinema, your source for in-depth discussion of cult cinema with a focus on film that matters. Cult, grindhouse, drive-in, independent, and underground film from the dawn of the talkies through the early 90s. This is a forum where we explore genre film and music from around the world, in-depth conversation and career analysis with directors, actors, and musicians, and open discussion on films that matter, those that fall outside the mainstream corporate film by boardroom committee. These are the problems of the auteur, the visionary, the dreamer, the outsider. None of that direct that passes for mainstream film these days. This is all about the glory days of independent cinema from all over the world. Any of the hotbeds of obscure, oddball, or generally wild cinema available on DVD from the dawn of the medium to this very day. Join us as we delve deep into the cinematic netherworld here on Third Eye Cinema. Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Big Papa Online Network on Blog Talk Radio. Join us on Tuesday nights at 6.30 Eastern for an exploration of the many roads and methods which promise to lead us to the ultimate answer, a higher purpose, meaning of life. I'm just like a lot of you, a middle-aged mom with piles of laundry and a meditation practice. I've been down many roads to get where I am today, and my journey is far from finished. But I'd like to share my experience and hard-earned wisdom with you. So what is it about women and spirituality? It seems like we're always the first to try out something new. Christianity was spread in large part by wealthy women. And where would Uncle Al be without his scarlet women? Who is by and far the largest audience of New Age alternative spirituality? What is it about us that always has us seeking? And why does it always seem that men tend to take over what we discover? Join us for a dialogue between two long-lost friends representing both the yin and yang aspects of the whole, each of whom have traveled multifarious paths all across the spectrum of spirituality, the dark side and the light, from the organized to the out of the way. This show is for all those frustrated in their quest who've been through various thoughts on the spectrum of spirituality and found them ultimately unfulfilling. Join us for some hard-earned lessons and thoughts on potential new directions and possible value in what inevitably fails in organized practice, but which may have some merit to the solo practitioner, fellow seekers of truth, in this journey towards light. Moving towards light. Lessons in life and spirituality from an unconventional seeker. Bringing more to you, only here on the Big Papa Online Network. On Blog Talk Radio. And as I'm sure you all know, it's been one hell of a night and one hell of a year. So, here we go. Hey, 
finally, <laughs> after playing some old promos of uh, guests that I've had, both filmic and musically, on Third Eye Cinema, uh, Mr. Lewis Paul arrives. Uh, what a year it's been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're sorry about all this, but uh, last week we had uh, circumstances in the family. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we had an illness, and um, this week we're, I'm dealing with, I'm trying the various Safari, Google, Internet, IE, and I keep getting servers busy, so I could not get in so you can clearly hear my dulcet tones. Um, uh, but we're here now, 15 minutes late, which will bring us to 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, we're, we're we're here. We're sorry for the delay. Uh, this is our Euro Crime Show, um, and it's been long in coming. Yes, that's for sure. Uh, well, all right. So, so discombobulated. You're still raspy. You got a you got a Brenda Vaccaro thing going on there. That's <laughs> it. It's not, it's not over with yet. Uh, so you know what? At the hell with it. I am going to start this one from scratch. Here's the intro music. <laughs> uh, here we go. You are listening to Weird Seas Inside the Gold Mine, your central guide to all things wild and wonderful in the world of cult entertainment. Tonight, we talk Felicia Tetchy. Pop Online Network. So, good evening and welcome to, uh, we're nearing the end of the second season of Weird Seas Inside the Gold Mine, your central guide to all things wild and wonderful in the world of cult entertainment. Uh, drop in once again for a spell and join me, Doc Savage, and my co-host, Lewis Paul, as we discuss the beloved, the hated, the weird, and the wonderful world of cult film, music, television, and more. So this week on Weird Scenes, we're setting sails for sunny Italy. Among the many subgenres of cult film the Italians co-opted and proceeded to perfect was one of the wildest, most consistently entertaining, and grim of the bunch, the Poliziotacci. Uh, marked by extreme violence, gorgeous women, corrupt politicians, and police, if stylish, if dangerous mobsters, with a code of ethics all their own, the Italian crime film surpassed its stateside UK and French forebears by amping up the action, the body count, the speed, and the explosiveness of it all. Packed to the gills of wild car chases, stun-filled shootouts on crowded streets, and abandoned industrial complexes and backroom double dealings, there's quite literally nothing else like them in cinema, with directors Lenzi, Damiani, DeLeo, Massey, Castellari, Salam. Salma, and stars specializing in and rising to fame mainly based on their efforts herein, like Maurizio Merli, Thomas Milian, Jean-Marie Volante, Luke Miranda, Fabio Testi, and others establishing deep roots in the genre, like Martin Balsam, Adolfo Celli, John Saxon, Tully Savalas, Henry Silva. The Italian crime films finally received reappraisal late in the DVD era, with many of its key efforts only now making their way to domestic shores. So join us as we try to cozy up to the right people and pay proper respect to the people who matter to get things done, if you know what I'm saying, capiche? And I could sure use them tonight. Uh, <laughs> so here we are uh, in the middle of a discombobulated mess that is uh, 2016 in uh, America, and specifically in the New York area. <laughs> We've got this uh, another one of these fake snowmageddon things coming in, which who knows how real or fake it's going to be. Uh, there's all kinds of fun stuff you know going on with uh, 
our places of employment, and uh, we've got a really bizarre election coming up that could be really scary depending on how things swing or don't swing. Uh, it's it's just a strange year, it's a strange time, and uh, there's and so much going be- on. Yeah, and it all began, uh, um, I guess we could take three minutes to acknowledge David Bowie's passing. David uh, Bowie, Dallas yeah, Taylor, I mean, it's just like one after the other. It's ridiculous. Uh, there's been so many celebrity um, you know, rock and roll deaths recently. Uh, there's been so many problems just going on all around the world. It's just, I don't know, the, the start of the year has been extremely bad. So I'm really hoping it's like yeah. one of those Groundhog Day kind of things where, all right, the the thing's casting its shadow now, and now it's going to, we have some sunblast on it, and we don't have to see the fucking thing again. <laughs> there we go. Because otherwise, it's going to yeah. be a bad year, folks, because it's been really rough so far, and personally as well. So uh, dealing with a lot of stuff tonight, as you can probably tell from all the chaos here. So, uh but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I have to talk off offline with my co-host here because I'm getting the the vibe that things are happening that I don't know about. So we. Yeah, <laughs> but we we are here to entertain you. That's right. <laughs> We're trying to snap out of that crap. It's just very difficult when it's going on like as this thing is starting, uh, <laughs> and then we have our own issues there, yeah. as you heard. So. But, um, but we are here. Yeah, Euro crime. Um, did you want to start with this, or, or? Well, actually, you can because um, I have a feeling that see, it's tough. Euro crime, uh, especially with incomes to the police Apache, it's one of those things like the spaghetti western where I love these films mm. to death. I have dozens on dozens of these things in my collection. I've seen, I can't tell you how many of them, but after a while they start to blur. So there are things that stand yeah. out, like. Oh yeah, this one had this guy in it, and I like his films. Or this director, I tend to like his things and the way he runs things. But it, it's more of um, a melange, if you will. It's a gestalt. Uh, whereas you know, you may have more specific because I know you kind of focused on your old spy. So, uh, so go ahead and kick off if you want to. Uh, well, uh, I mean, where where did this whole genre begin? That's one thing. I think I think some of the roots can be. Trace to the uh, Euro spy genre, of course, and not so much the Bond movies. I mean, of course, they had a big hand in it, but the the spy movies made by Italy, France, Germany, Spain—you know, the the ones that that you didn't know so much about—and um, uh, the ones with guys like George Cobos, uh, Giorgio Augerson. I mean, there's some good movies in there. Some really interesting titles. Anyway, I think that had a hand in it, of course, which I just happened to watch the other day, skimming the dial, it wasn't planned, The Godfather. Uh, Frank uh, Francis Ford Coppola's movie had a hand in this, but I think more so Bullet, Dirty Harry, The French Connection, yeah. Serpico. Because um, I was going to say um, The Godfather came in 74, I believe. And while that was... The first one. Okay. That was a huge influence on a lot of films that came after it, just, you know, globally. But uh, the police actually don't really – there aren't that many of them that are specifically, you know, mob operation slash, you know, here's the story of a family growing up on the streets. No, no, but that's not what the police is. Yeah, no, true. But but I I think that it's in there. It's it's in there. I think – Phil D'Antoni's The Seven Ups is a really good um, picture that 
think, 73. I think that's a really good picture that kind of is in there, a little needle thing. But, I mean, yeah, the, there's Policia Chesky. Uh, you know, it's it's a fusion of two words. Here, here we got to go. Policeman, Poliziato. And uh, you're, you're probably better at the pronunciation. We're both Italian, but... Yeah, um, you know, crime movies, t- tough cops. You know, it's it's a very tricky genre. Um, I think, it's, just to put in for a second, some of those other ones that you had tossed out there were yeah. really the origins of the police attache. Because we're talking about films like Bullet, which was, what was that, 68, 67? 68, uh, yeah. 68. Uh, that's around the time you start to see these appear. I mean, one of the earlier ones in the genre is, uh, what was it, the Salama, the Violent City, uh, with Charlie Bronson? Um, oh, yeah, it's about that, that time in Ben. Yeah, and now it's Milan, it's about that. Yeah. And then not long after, you've got the French Connection films, you know, and then, of course, you know, things just keep building out from there. But Bullet, for sure, uh, that was definitely uh, a real kickoff. And you see that. In films, I mean, as a matter of fact, just go to Violent City itself. Look at all the car chases in there. You know, him driving down yeah. the stairs and all that crap. Uh, this is a major, major thing, and that's probably why, if you're watching, say, a U.S. film or a French crime film, they're going to be a little bit more dry. They're going to be more sedate uh, because I think a lot of that influence, specifically from Bullet, but also from what became the the tropes of the '70s cop show, you know, the Starsky and Hutches of the world. Uh, mm. You know, even the Berettas, that that kind of thing. Uh, a couple of schlubs going around in a, a beat up but sort of hot car, uh, chasing people on the streets, and you know, dealing with all the grit and grime to get things done and breaking the law. And you know, as it were, you know, within their the strictures of their uh, job and still getting things done, they were all kind of like renegade cops. You got a little bit of that um, Dirty Harry thing. Of course, that was another one that played into this big time. Uh, so mm-hmm. those, to me, say more. Police test you than something like The Godfather. You can see that a little bit once you start getting to um, who was the guy that was really big on the mafia films. He did, jeez, um, uh, with um, Onella Muti, uh, the most beautiful wife, uh, Damiano, Damio Damiani. He was Damiano, very those sort of films. Yeah. Yeah, he actually had a film that they came over here as Mafia. Uh, he was very intimate with that sort of thing. You get things like, you know, uh, Confessions of a Citizen Above Suspicion. These things, okay, yeah, it's a political film, but it also sort of revolves into this whole area of, you know, the, the nitty-gritty of the, the police and the Carabinieri and the Mafia and how all those things are kind of hand-in-hand and interconnected. Uh, and also Death Wish, Death Wish. I mean, in, in a way. Yeah, in, uh, in a way. Definitely, especially when you start talking about Lindsay, because that's where that you know extreme violence, let's ramp it up kind of thing came from. Um, and you know, Maurizio Merli. I mean, Hutsky, if not Dirty Harry, Cross with Charlie Bronson. I mean, that's that's kind of the uh, the zeitgeist they're going for here. Uh, mm-hmm. But just uh, was there anything that you wanted to? Because you know, I kind of butted in there. Was there anything else you were trying to get at with the an overview? It was, but I, I got off my track, so it's okay. I'll probably find point. it later. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> there, 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 there were a lot of actors that are really popular in the genre. Yes. I mean, uh, uh, familiar names to Americans. I mean, you know, as, as we talked about in all the other genre things we talked about in the, the past months, a lot of Americans went overseas specifically to Italy uh, when work dried up or when there was no work. And um, 
there are lots of people. Martin Balsam, you know, uh, familiar character actor here. He got work in a lot of these things at Felicio Teske. Um, Charles Bronson, who was still not the superstar he would become. Right. Um, he was on the, I think we could safely say he was on the cusp at this point when he was working on these. He didn't do too many, but he was definitely on the cusp of superstardom. Uh, Richard Conti, who would go back and forth. Actually, Richard Conti was in The Godfather, and he went back and did a few of these things. He did appearances. Joseph Cotton did a few, not too many. Mal Farrar. Um, uh, the list goes on and on. You know, these are Woody Stroh, Henry Silva, a very, yep. very familiar face to everyone and name to everyone. Um, appeared in a few of these. Very interesting-looking guy. You know, everybody says Klaus Kinski was very unique-looking. So was Henry Silva. Yep. He's Puerto Rican. Everybody thought he was Italian. <laughs> and, and, and But, you know, he pulled it off. He pulled off that look because he didn't really look Latin. He, he had this very unusual look. And uh, it really worked for him for so long. And I guess living in Italy, he adopted a mannerism and a speech pattern that just suddenly erased his Latino heritage. <laughs> and then I think, uh, I, you, know, you know, correct me if, if you think I'm wrong, but it's like no, no one ever thinks of, of Jaime Silver as like a Spanish guy, you know? Exactly. Latin, I was going to think it was Italian, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. And for the homegrown people, you know, they're just the names of men. You know, Fabio Testi, um, Antonio well, Sabato. You also get British people. I mean, because, you know, we're talking about European production. So you tend to have yeah. money coming in from other countries because Europe oh, is Oliver not like. Reed, uh, yeah, Europe few, is like. Yeah. Geographically, it's like the U.S. more or less. So it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go over to Texas and get some money for my film that's being made in Colorado, and I got a couple guys from California, a couple guys from Maine that are going to pitch in. Okay, it sounds like nothing stateside. But if you're taking the same thing geographically, you'd be talking about you know Germany and France and Italy and Poland yeah. throwing money together, and this would happen. And you have people like Barb Boucher becoming a big star over there. Uh, people like Ray Lovelock from uh, from England. You have other people from England like you know David Hemmings and Joan Collins showing up in some of these things. You have people like Olga Carlotto's coming over from Greece. Uh, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. Chris Mitchum was another guy uh, that was the local person going over there from the U.S. Um, you know, it's it just as you go through, the names keep popping up. And Fernando Ray from uh, he's, he's Spanish. Uh, John Saxon was a big one in this stuff, from, you know, from the U.S. Yeah, and it's uh, funny uh, you mentioned Chris Mitchum. He didn't do too many of these things, and for some reason, there, there must be a Chris Mitchum story somewhere. He did two or three, and actually, they're pretty good. You know, he's the son of Robert Mitchum. Um, Jack Palance. Pretty good. Yeah, Jack Palance. And then like Chris Mitchum. Could have done more of these. Instead, he went over to the Philippines, where he did like a host of these things, <laughs> like influenced by these. It's very strange. And then, then you have the directors. You got you know Salima, Duccio Tassari, Stelvio Massi, uh, but the better Castellari. ones are like yeah, Lenzi, Roberto Lenzi, Lenzi, Damio Damiani, we named before. Fulci, Fulci, Lucio Fulci, Fernando De Leo. I mean, you know, one of my favorites. Uh, and actually, Enzo Castellari, yeah, yes, Castellari, right? I mean, a lot of people were involved in this, and some of them 
wouldn't even do, you know, because some of them, okay, you see them in other films, like you mentioned about Fulci and things like that, and they were more yeah. known for their horror films, or they were more known for their comedies, or they are more known for their, like, Lens with Cannibal films, whatever. Uh, but yet, you had directors that really didn't distinguish themselves outside of the police of Tachi, like Fernando DeLeo, like Damiano Damiani, even though he did that hilarious, uh, what was that, uh, I'm Evil 2, I love that thing, <laughs> or I'm Evil 3, the one with the brother and sister, it was all kind of twisted. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Castellari, I mean, this is what they were known for. Salma, okay, he was known for doing spaghetti westerns before, but, you know, he, this was kind of his other, when they dried up, they moved the western to an urban setting. So they still have the same sort of characters, the same sort of you know gritty, realistic um, approach that they took to the western, and yet you know so underneath it's got this mythic thing that they're kind of subverting. But then they took mm-hmm. it and moved it over into an urban setting, and here you go. Now all of a sudden, instead of the you know the renegade, you know man with no name cowboy that comes into town and fucks things up and straightens them out for the local people or the little guy or you know the political whatever you know they help out the Mexican Revolution or whatever the hell it is. Uh, against the fat cats, basically. Now, all of a sudden, it's the renegade cop doing it against. And unfortunately, there's been a reputation, which is sometimes deserved, uh, with these sort of films, just like it got much worse with canon films and you know uh, the Chuck Norris films, the Bronson films, and so forth, uh, where you got into this mm-hmm. like, sort of neocon... Um, uh, paranoid uh, kind of uh, yeah, all these scumbags on the streets. We got to clean them up, and no cops are tough enough because the laws aren't too weak and wimpy. And you know we got to go and kill all these people because that's the only way to make it. It's almost like uh, those who know Steve Ditko and Mr. A. It's like that sort of insanity. Like okay, th- this kid's uh, you know smoking dope. He's just as bad as that horrible serial killer and this ISIS terrorist. Like yeah, okay. But I think there's a difference there. But you know to these people, it's like, oh no, it's time to blow them away at the end of a gun. Because they're all the same. Well, yeah, you know, they, you don't they, really they, get that as much in Tsukeshi, though. No, that's true. That's true. And you know, to to just to dial it back a minute, you know, Dirty Harry. I think a lot of people misunderstand not only Clint's portrayal, or or that's not the right word, uh, the way he brought it off, and what Don Siegel was able to do with these pictures. What. They're, they're much more deeper than they seem to be. Uh, I mean, he's not just a, a bullheaded neo-Nazi type <laughs> right-wing maniac. He actually has thought processes. You could you could tell them what's going on. He just doesn't understand because you know what the whole thing is. But Clint and they actually pulled this over into some of the Polizia Tesky. He's a product of his job, but he's also a product right. of the system. And then he sees cracks. Right. Which I think Don Siegel did very, very well in Magnum Force, which today we look back on as popcorn entertainment. But at the time, that was a very important movie because, and probably one of the last great Don Siegel films, because it dealt with corruption and it dealt with the, the secret uh, force that was actually doing things. You know, that's when Clint Eastwood's Dirty Harry finally, you know, three pictures in, finally said, you know what? My, I. The mirror's broken now. The mirror's cracked. I'm not really seeing what I thought I was seeing. Yeah, and, they and pull, you know, and the, yes, and the Polizia Tensky kind of pulled all this stuff in. They kind of soaked it up like a freaking vacuum, you know? And don't forget, just like the real world, nothing is black and white here. We're talking about even it's with not, something as 
far right <laughs> as seeming as Death Wish, where you've got yeah. you know Bronson just like, okay, they raped my daughter, these scum, and now I'm gonna blow them all away. Everybody in the park that's you know out there preying on kids and selling drugs and okay, whatever. But the reality of the situation is, you get to kind of like a Bernie Getz situation where it's like, well, what created this guy? This guy was just some like nerdy guy going to work every day, and yet there was people that saw him as prey, and then nobody was doing anything about this. And eventually, it just got to the point where he says, "Well, fuck this! I'm going to take it in my own hands and do something about it." For right well, or yeah. wrong, and Mark, that's if what if, right. If you remember that first movie, it's a pacifist. Totally right. a pacifist, and um, and his family was gang raped. His daughter, his wife was killed. His daughter was left a vegetable, and even after that, he was reluctant. He right. didn't know what to do. And and if you remember the first time, I think he put pennies in a sock, mm-hmm. and he went out and he and he, he slugged uh, a guy, and the sock broke, and all the pennies. He actually got physically ill. Yep. And so that's it's very interesting. Yes, yeah, it, that does bring up a, a very important point. You know? And remember this, that's about Death Wish, which is one of the, you know, the neocon, okay, I really hate everybody as a scumbag, and we need tougher laws and tougher cops and whatever the hell else. That's usually the, the series that people go behind and stand by. Like, oh, yeah, it's like Charlie Bronson, we're going to kick some ass. And even that has nuances. Even that has a measure of truth with all the bullshit. And so sure. much more, the police attention, because, you know, okay, maybe it's partly because we're both Italian, but Italians aren't dumb as a rule. You know, there's a level of slickness there. They're like, okay, we kind of know what's going down. You know, we've we lived lives. You know, our families have lived lives. We, we know what's black and white and in between, and you kind of manage your way. And, and life is a game of managing your way through things and trying to, you know, stay more or less on the right side of things, but still, you know, make your way. Uh, and I think that that's what's special about these films as compared to, as much as I love them, and I would love to do them someday, uh, the canon films, which became more cartoonish, you know, very 80s in a lot of respects, uh, whereas this is more of a 70s genre, which just in general already implies a lot of nuance. There is, there's things being said here, especially once you start getting to something like Damiani, where he's really talking about big issues. I mean, not just politically, but, you know, metaphorically, socially, uh, in terms, sociologically, if you will, you know, in terms of people relating to each other. Uh, we have issues here, and I'm going to take some pretty much right out of the paper and ex- explicate this for you, show you why this matters, why this touches all of us by using well, you know, these families and these groups and whatever. But Exactly. And another thing that we should keep in mind is that uh, uh, at this point, this at this point in time, 68 to 72, 73, 74, Italy was going through a really tough time politically. Oh. There's the Red Brigade, the Red Brigade. Um, well, don't forget, um, you had all the, the anarchists going on in the streets, and yes. there was business where people were having, like, bank robberies every other day, you know, like, you know, violent, like, you know, coming in with machine guns and stuff and blowing people away on the streets and, you know, cops, you know, and Italy's strange because you've got the police, and then you've got the Carabinieri, which is like the military police, 
and they've yeah. got their own hierarchies, and they don't like to deal with each other. It's almost like you know the FBI, the CIA, and your local police department, you know, trying to get them to work together. Uh, but not even that well defined. It's kind of it's really messed up. And then the politicians get involved, and of course the mafia is involved, and to some extent because it's Italy, the church is involved. It, it really gets messed up. It's a very complicated structure of not just power but social relations. Uh, and that really does play out in even the stupidest of these films. You will pick up some stuff like, what the hell is that all about? And it, it, to some extent, it makes you think. To some extent, it makes you laugh. And to usually just walk away like, wow, uh, that was really screwed up. But I think I really enjoyed the ride because of all the, the, the directorial techniques that go on, the, the bullet aspects of it, the uh, wild action, um, the beautiful girls, the – uh, extreme, if you will, especially for the time, uh, levels of action and violence, um, and especially when it's get to Lindsay. But you know, go ahead because if you, if you want to finish off your overview here, so. Well, no, no, I, 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 no, we're going really well with this. I, I wanted to. I don't know these guys at all, and um, this guy Mike Malloy, um, who I think has contributed some genre publications uh, on the fringe. He did a documentary a few years ago, not too long ago, two or three years ago, called Eurocrime, the Italian cop and gangster films that ruled the 70s. I know it's a mouthful. And he couldn't find distribution, and so they released it on DVD. This thing is three hours long, and he's tracked down everyone who's still alive. And this is amazing, because not only is it filled with clips, it's filled with Fresh interviews with cast, crew, uh, and the dubbers, which is the best part. <laughs> these, these guys who went over there to work and they stayed there, and they worked on lots of other movies. And and and, and you know, it's called Euro Crime. I actually got it on Amazon. They're very very affordable, and it's like and it has a history lesson because everybody's also talking about what was going on politically. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's just pretty wild. I've watched this thing like three or four times. It's a rare thing I do with any documentary. And uh, it's very, very interesting. Yeah, it's a very – it's like, yeah, the the politicians were involved. The, 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 the Vatican was involved. Everybody's yep. involved because it's all about money. Right. There you go. And, and that's yeah. what I think people don't understand right now about the country the way it is and this election and everything else that's going down is that it, yeah, everybody's dirty. It's it's more than you're showing you. They're talking in very – Are you talking about our country or their country? Well, that's what I mean. It's a, it's a direct parallel <laughs> because we're talking about people talking to the idiots basically, the people that are gullible enough to take it, the sucker born every minute that P.T. Barnum was selling yeah. to and saying, oh, look, this is all simple terms, black and white, you know, we're for good moral values, we're for whatever. When in reality, there's a lot of dirty double dealing going on underneath, and it is, in the bottom line, all about money and power, nothing else. Everything else they tell you is crap. It's like, I want your money, and I want to rule over your ass in the most fastest way possible. And everything else they tell you is just, it might as well be Charlie Brown's teacher. Okay, whatever. I can't. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, I'm going to go off topic here. I can't believe this is what's going on right now in my adult life with this yes. fucking Donald Trump stuff. It's crazy. Oh it is. It's insane. <sighs> it, 
He's appealing to the basest nature of humanity. Now, I know in the beginning it was kind of a joke, and I know in the beginning people were like, you know, basically star fuckers, like Stone Yeah, yeah, it was a joke. Uh, like, oh, look, yeah, uh, sure. look, The Apprentice, you're fired, and all this sort of shit. And all of a sudden, here he is, he's still the front runner. He hasn't gone anywhere. And people are going, and he's making these crazy racist comments, and, you know, he wants to build walls around the country, and you know, the guy's completely fucking insane. And he's just, he just says anything comes out of his mouth, and it's like, yeah. just three seconds ago. And everybody's like, yeah, that's great. Um, okay, uh, what's next? Should we start all putting on our brown shirts and hiding on the Fuhrer? I mean, what is this crap? <laughs> are you that Yeah, I, yeah it's but crazy, crazy. Yeah. I got all, I, I all my, my clear-headed friends are like, Bernie, Bernie. Yes. I'm like, yes. yes, yes, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen because Hillary's got a lot of money, but I don't know because she's falling in the polls. Right. It could be Eleanor McGillicuddy who will be the Democrat. I mean, <laughs> because but well, the thing is, Bernie Sanders is really good. I think the the, the biggest thing against him is his age. What is yeah. his age? I don't know. <laughs> but he's still in good health, and we've had. He's still in good health. health. He looks a little shaky, but um, the thing is. He doesn't get mad. He gets very calmly agitated. But see, and, that's probably know, a good thing because we're talking about somebody that's going to be ruling what is still in effect the biggest world power. Because you know, now that Russia's oh no, that's good, not that's good. power. Yeah, but right now, wants to yeah, level right, head. Yeah, but right now it's it's not like that. It's like it's some kind of weird. It's like the bozo hour. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. Between the our front runners and like King Jong Il and Putin and whatever hell else, it was like you're right. It's like the bozo clown hour. <laughs> Everybody's like, Bum. yeah, it's just so, I sure, idiocracy. Sure. Have you ever seen idiocracy? That's what this is. I did. Is that the yeah. running for president? I mean, <laughs> I mean, sir, a piece yesterday just skimmed my eyes. A cop came forward, and there's like a whole report. Ted Cruz's wife last year was or something like that was found on the side of the road. Disoriented. Oh, great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get run over by a car or something. Yeah. Well, those two are crazy anyway. He's even worse than Trump. We don't get there. We don't make this the politics so, show. We are talking about suddenly Italy, and this stuff comes up, especially once you start talking about movies like Damiani's. Because, like you had mentioned, nothing is as it seems on the surface, and there's a lot of factors being tied into here. And it's a delicate line. You can't say, okay, you know what? I'm the police force, and I want to stop crime, so. Screw the Carabinieri, screw the mafia, screw the politicos that are running my, paying my paycheck, and screw the Vatican because I'm going to do it my way. It doesn't work that way. As much as you might want it to, there's a lot of factors, and you've got to kind of – I hate to say play ball, but you know, there's kind of a measure to – like I mentioned earlier, of walking through and still trying to stay on the right side of things but still making mm-hmm. your way through, you know, although not getting smacked down. So uh, that's why you need it's, – it's a game of – and you've got to have a certain level of intelligence, a certain measure of, um, if not calm, then certainly comportment to be able to do it. Yeah, 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 that's all You know, we keep mentioning Damiani, you know, and actually, if you look at his uh, horror films, or well, I, I would say he really made thrillers. You know, aside from his, his gangster films and his crime films. You know, he's a very interesting and probably, I would have to say, underrated filmmaker. 
I mean, other people got a lot more accolades, but uh, Damiano Damiani was an interesting filmmaker. And uh, Damiani is think, actually probably my favorite of the Policia Tetsi people, not in terms yeah. of usual stuff like action, but in terms of the mm. fact that his stuff is true to life and it makes mm-hmm. you think. And it leaves you upset. You walk away like, wow, that's really horrible. And, oh, my God, this is like what's going on right now. What, is there anything we can do about this? You know, that kind of thing. It almost like it motivates you to get up and do something. Just something like Confessions of a Police Captain, uh, yeah. you know, with Franco Nero and Martin Balsam and our, our Palmero with Tolo. And, you know, and even there, look at this. You've got this movie. You've got these stars. You've got big names in there that like people internationally love. And he's got a score by Rizzo Delani, so you know it's going to be all cheery and jaunty or whatever the hell. But yet, it's this despairing thing about, you know, the guy's like a, a cop and he's got a pro- prosecutor and they're trying to, uh, basically they're trying to expose that this one guy, a uh, city official, is involved with the mob. And good luck with that and you see what happens. Uh, you know, these are the kind of films he makes. They're dark, but... They say a lot. You know, Mafia, for example, which was uh, a Giorno del Civetta. Um Claudia Cardinale's in this with Franco Nero and mm-hmm. Lee J. Cobb, of all people. Uh, this is more like a rural one. But again, you're dealing with somebody. They're in Sicily. Uh, this woman's husband, he's like a construction guy. And, you know, the, the mobsters. It, 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 basically, the, the widow gets investigated by the cops, right? And. They're making like he, she was the killer of her husband, but you know they know that it wasn't really it was really the mob. But there's all this shit they can't really expose it because, like we mentioned, you've got all these different forces involved. The political people are involved, the judiciary is involved, the cops are involved, the church is involved. Everybody has got their say in this and saying, you know, okay, keep this quiet. And anybody that's trying to investigate it, they put the thumb on them until and unless, you know, maybe they bump them off. Maybe they just, you know, shuffle them away, give them a, you know, move them out to some other district. You're off this case. You know, these are the kind of things that happen in reality, especially when you are trying to expose wrongs. When you when you walk in there and you say, okay, I know what the deal is here. Let's go and make this right. Let's expose this. Get ready to know about this. That's not that easy. And there are consequences, and it's very difficult to make changes. And anybody that sits there and says, oh, well, you know, we never make any changes, so therefore, you know, everybody's incompetent in power. Uh, well, that might not be the case. You know, there are things that you have to factor in. There's things you have to deal with. We're all sick of it. We're all sick of the bullshit. We're all sick of the glad handing. But there is a measure to which, as an adult, you can't just walk in there and kick over somebody else's sandbox because you know that they pissed in it. You know, you still got to kind of work them out of it and say, hey, you know what? I think you're pissed in your sandbox. Maybe you don't want to be there and maybe nobody else should be there until we clean that up and try to convince mm-hmm. them to get out of it, you know, that kind of thing, as opposed to just going there and flipping it over like a four-year-old from a tantrum because that's just going to basically start wars and things like that. Uh, that's the kind of things that a Damiani film will bring out. Uh, you know, How to Kill a Judge was another one. Again, with Franco Nero, Francois Fabian, Rizzirolani did that one again. Um... What else was there? There was a bunch of them that he was doing. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of the idea with him, and that's why I really get a kick out of his movies because they are they're a thinking man's movie, if you want to put it that way. Mm-hmm. And especially because of Police Attache, which is more gut reactions. Let's see some explosions. Let's see, you know, some kind of a vicarious thing against whatever the mob, the, the whatever. Uh, he comes in there and says. Well, this is what's really going to go down if you do that. 
And that to me is like, wow, okay. And you can kind of see why people don't lionize him because that's not what people are looking for. It's not a popcorn movie. Domino doesn't do popcorn yeah. movies. Except for if you thought something silly like you know, Amityville 2 or whatever that was. That's funny. But, uh, you know, when it comes to his Plisiteshis, it's always very um, intense, I guess, is the way to put it. Um, whereas you get somebody like, say, Enzo Castellari and completely different story. Um, something like the Heroin Busters, you know, with Fabio Testi, David Hemmings, um, Patricia Webley's in it, uh, and Goblin did the music for this one. Actually, he tended to get things where either Goblin or the DeAngelis brothers did it, which was usually, that's another reason you get into Pusutechi, is because if you go out there, especially when the soundtrack thing was big back in the 90s, uh, some of the best soundtracks out there weren't just, okay, you've got Fabio Fritzi's scores for Fulci, and you've got the Goblin scores for Argento, and stuff like that. Once you get past that, one of the first things you tend to gravitate to is the Pulisateshis. He starts hearing, oh, wait, we don't research the Angels. We just do shit. And there they are doing, you know, Street Law for Castellari, and Big Racket for Castellari. And, uh, you know, this was a big deal. And his films... He tended to store Franco Nero or Fabio Testi a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's true. Uh, and true. they're two different animals. You know, Nero is uh, respected as being a good actor. He can hold it back, but he can also really kind of uh, let his inner Italian eye go over the top, like he does in things like um, what was the ghost movie he did with Vanessa Redgrave? Do you remember that one where he was the painter? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or or Hitchhike uh, with David Hess and uh, what was it, Craig Clary. Uh, you can really see him go way the hell over the top. And then you got something like even K. Homo, where he'll be, he'll be keep it down to a certain level. You know, Django. Uh, they're comic book movies in a sense, but yet he's still underplaying it. He's still trying to keep it level. But then again, at the time, so just kind of let it go. Um, but then you get somebody well, like he's Hesky. an interesting person. I mean, I think it's an interesting. I think I think you know, if we're talking about Frank O'Neill, I think he's a man that believes his own braggadocio, you know. He's, yes. I found I that. think he yeah, yeah, he like he 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 writes his own shit, you know, like his own he's his own PR guy, you know. He doesn't need I, at one point in history I had friended him on Facebook and I was like I don't believe this. This guy is just, you know, like I said, he's his own hype machine. I'm like, really? You really think that you're that good? And I'm like, okay, you're, I like you. I like the movies you're in. You're a decent actor. You're a decent-looking guy. Really? <laughs> you know, calm down a little bit here. Uh, and it's just, and he ages well, so, God bless him. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, it just gets to the point where it's silly. I'm like, come on, really, guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When's the last time he did anything that anybody cared about? But, <laughs> um, you know... Once you get Castellari, also uh, did, didn't he do some spaghetti westerns previously? I don't have that much. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, his stuff tends to be pretty action involved. Um, whereas, well, the same thing with his his sci-fi movies too, though. Yes, yes, that's true. Uh, compared to some of the other sci-fi movies that are coming out of Italy at the time, um, they're a little bit less. Um, I mean, they're all kind of cheesy space operas. Everybody's got the goofy outfits and whatever else, but he tends to but, focus but, on more of the comic booky action, like you said. Yeah, yeah. I think Castellari's ones are a little bit more easier to take, even though they do have their occasional, 
unsavory moments, whereas other people have like, what am I watching? <laughs> Who's my? Those all the really low rent uh, sci-fi movies you mentioned on a previous show. Uh, he did uh, Attack of the Robots and things like that. Uh, uh, I'm thinking Lou. That's not his name. Uh, really low rent bottom feeder, but I love his crap. Are you talking about Fred? Fred Olsen Ray? <laughs> no, not Fred Olsen Ray. We're talking about Italian director here. Uh, oh. Yeah, he was doing stuff right into the '80s. He was still doing these like '60s style Italian space operas. Oh, like uh, Bruno Mattei. Well, no, but hey, you're right. Same idea, though. Uh, he mostly specialized in these things. Uh, a different show, so I don't have anything on him at the moment. I have to go look at my shelf, which is across the room. Uh, but anyway. Uh, I'm sure we've probably covered him, though. <laughs> we, we mentioned him before. Uh, compared to stuff like that, uh, like, you know, Beast in Space kind of level. Um, yeah. You know, this is a oh, good thing. Alfonso Brescia. I, that's it. I'll brush you. Thank you. <laughs> Love his stuff. I did but do a few of these things, yeah. Total bottom of the barrel. But you, so if you compare something like that to like a Castellari space opera, okay, yeah, there's a very big difference there. Um, or even like a Margariti, which are kind of dry and dull, like the, we were talking about earlier. Um, but anyway, mm-hmm. uh, then you go to somebody like Lindsay, which is, you know, you take the gusto that he gives to his rather over-the-top takes on, not even in the 80s when he started doing takes on the slasher film or the zombie film or whatever else, which are fun in themselves, but his takes on like the cannibal film, that kind of, oh my God, did you really do this? And why? And, you know, basically you get people like Giovanni Lombardo Radice and just like, oh my God, he was like horrible. Uh, <laughs> this is the kind of gusto he gives to his uh, confidence, basically, where you're talking about near violence and bloodshed. Um, and I wouldn't say so much action because I didn't find them to be like, you know, a bullet sort of a thing. I found them to be, um, what do you want to say? Difficult to take? They're, for me, they're very dark. Uh, a lot yeah, of them are yeah. really entertaining. I don't find them entertaining as a rule. I find them dark and bloody and really nasty, like mean-spirited, like um, kind of like Contraband from Fulci, which is another piece of uh, You got people like running over other guys' hands and uh, this kind of stuff where it's like, really, do you really need to do this? You need to show this in detail? You know, him going and, you know, whatever, raping the guy's wife and then blowing her head off and close up and, you know, that's the kind of thing Lindsay would do is um, and films oh, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's especially in, uh, what was that, The Cynic, The Rat and the Fist? Yeah, Syndicate the Fist, Syndicate Sadist, almost human. I mean, yeah, and again, he likes to start Thomas Millian a lot. Um, I don't know what that means. I, I mean, I like Millian, but uh, Millian, I think the lightest thing I ever saw him do was the cop in blue jeans. He, his films tend to be very, uh, I don't want to say he does the gritted teeth. He's not exactly a Marcel Merrily, but he's one of the more serious, I guess, more uh, angry of the stars of the police fashion. Um Well, he did a whole series of these things. Yeah, I mean, like I said, dude, just two of them. Right? They're uh, almost human to seem like a sadist, and you mentioned Cynic Rat in the Fist. Uh, and, you know, you got people in there, like big names like Henry Silva was in these things, Ray Lovelock, maybe um, mm-hmm. Bamusi, you know, people who know their stuff from that, that time period. Luciano Pagazzi, who was like the perennial, uh, always popping up as kind of the dwarf or whatever, Fritz from uh, 
uh, what the hell was that? Baron Blood. But he was around since the early 60s. You know, he showed up in Italian Gothics. Joseph Cotton, speaking of Baron Blood, uh, he would get scores by people like Andy Morricone. But, you know, oh, do I find his films entertaining in any way? Not his Pulisiteshis. I actually prefer the junk he was doing in the 80s, which is just kind of indefensible in a lot of ways, but funny. <laughs> Probably because it is so old. But you know, all, all that thing you said, occasionally somebody who's like a bottom feeder filmmaker, I hate to put it that way, but it's true, can can turn out a pretty interesting piece of work. Like, of all people, call Lazami, mm-hmm. who did Crazy Joe with Peter Boyle and Fred Williamson. Yep. I think that's a pretty decent movie. Yeah, I mean, there's there's people in here that you would question. Uh, I mean, you just jump up ahead. You got like Reno de Silvestro did that, and again, really grim. Hannah D, uh, which had uh, Karen Schubert of all people in it as the mother. Uh, and this is the guy that did like Werewolf Woman. I'm like, what the hell is he doing in here? Uh, Beto Albertini, who did uh, the first Black Emmanuel film, he's there doing like Human Cobras. Um, you know, we mentioned Margariti before. He's not a bottom feeder, but, you know, he does Death Rage with uh, Yul Brenner uh, and Barbara Boucher and Martin Balsam. Yeah, but Brenner uh, was a star. He was slumming at the time, but, I, yeah, I think that can be a lot of that one. <laughs> How about <laughs> Andrea Bianchi? Which one did Bianchi do? Cry of a Prostitute. <laughs> Just the title's great. Uh, yeah, I may yeah, have seen that. <laughs> yeah, and Andy Silver. Silver's a guy who's he's brought into like it's sort of like a, a rewrite of uh, for a few dollars more. He has to like the, you know go in between these two feuding Italian families, and of course Barbara Boucher's eye candy, and it's right. really it's yeah you can imagine. <laughs> uh, Boucher pops up in a lot of these things. I know that Fernando DeLeo used her once or twice, uh, but. Let's see, who else are we looking at here? Uh, Sergio Solomon, I mentioned before. He did Violent City, like I said, with Charlie Bronson. That was a very Salima's pretty good. You know, Salima's good at this stuff because I, yeah. I really like Salima's movies with Oliver Reed. Yes, Revolver. Revolver was freaking yeah. awesome. Uh, with it's Bobby awesome. Tessie, Oliver yeah. Reed, and, uh, or Marconi did the soundtrack. Actually, Marconi did the soundtrack to uh, Violent City, too. Uh, you know, if you want to say, okay, I want to see... Like you know, two or three police attaches to see if I like the genre. One of them has to be Revolver. Uh, that is probably not one of the first, but the one where I was like, okay, I think I really like the genre, and then I just started delving in after that. Um, you know, Oliver Reed, I get a kick out of him anyway, but this one is kind of Oliver in his uh, bloated mid seventies period. When he'd kind of fallen out of favor, he was no longer the angry young man that he was in stuff like, you know, The Damned or even The Shunned Room or whatever the hell Shunned Room. Uh, and you're not quite to the point where he's starring in Venom and or uh, the Nico Mastarakis films, but it's still close. kind of... Yeah, yeah, it's close, right. Uh, he's clearly been spending way too much time in the bar. Uh, and he's really kind of put the weight on. He's almost like Orson Welles in a respect. Uh, and yet... Here he is in this film, and it's an intense performance, as you would expect from Oliver Reed. Um, and him and Testy there, uh, who's placed the cop that's trying to help this essentially vigilante, he's almost playing the Charlie Bronson Death Wish part, uh, trying to get, mm. instead of 
avenge his wife and kid, uh, he is trying to get them back from some kidnappers. And there's this sort of business about a drug deal going across you know, to Switzerland and whatever else, and they're chasing them, him and this cop were helping out. It is really, really intense. Uh, I don't show a lot of these Italian crime films to my wife because, again, they're too grim for her. I remember her liking this one. This one is a really good film. It's well shot. Uh, it's very scenic. Uh, the acting is really ramped up. I, I don't want to say quote good acting, but you know it's it's definitely intense. You know you will not. Well, it's just above average for the genre, sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I would. And, and this one is a, a I, I would say the if you wanted to describe it to some way, someone you could say, well. You see my night run with Charlie Groden and uh, yeah, Bobby De Niro. Right. This is like this is like the dirtier version of that. It's true that it is like a nastier version of Midnight Run, you're right. Uh I mean there's more stuff going on than that, but yes. Yeah, it's of course, good, of course. But yeah, that's a good starting point. Be easy about it. Um, you know, you get people that who the hell even knows what else they did, like Stelvio Masi. And yet here he is, he does a couple of these things. You know, Emergency Squad with Thomas Millian uh, and Ray Lovelock. Uh, Convoy Busters with uh, Maurizio Merli and Olga Carlatos. Uh, Fatal Charm, which is also known as Magnum Cop, which I love with Merli and Joan Collins. Uh, and Gaston Moshin, who showed in a couple of the uh, aforementioned um, uh, DeLeo films. Uh, these are... You know, I don't want to say fun, but they are by the book Policio Teshis. If you're looking for, okay, there's going to be a lot of action, there's going to be a lot of whatever, there's going to be pretty women. Uh, you know, you've got this basically Dirty Harry type guy, there's going to be car chases or motorcycle chases and whatever the hell else. Uh, you can have mobsters and drug deals and whatever. These are definitely right there. Um, you know, Sergio Martino. Uh, we never really got to discuss when we were talking about the uh, the sleaze directors. He wasn't really a sleaze director in certain respects, but he was kind of in that no, area. No. Uh, you know, he did a lot of films with like Barbara Bach. He did a lot of Jellos with Edwidge Fennec. Uh, we got to this point where he was doing a couple of police detectives, like The Violent Professionals, with uh, Luke Miranda, of all people. Uh, and let's see, Gambling City with uh, Luke Miranda once again. Um, what else? I guess those are the only two he did that I was I that have my collection. Uh they're unusual. They're not playing into the same respect as most of the others. Violent professionals, yes. I definitely got a kick out of that and it definitely felt almost trademark Lucitesi at some point. Uh but the Violent Professionals, professionals. Yeah, yeah, it's a crazy movie. But Gambling City, no. That was very different. Basically the guys it's almost like a, a riff on I hate to say HUD, but you know, one of those kind of things like you know the the sting or something like that. Because basically, the guy is a gambler and he's basically trying to, uh, what do you want to say? He gets involved with the wrong woman and he's kind of the mob goes and pulls him in instead of going and busting him for like you know taking money from him with his uh, gambling tricks. Uh, they kind of use him to make money for them, and you know, kind of hustle kind of thing. And then all of a sudden he falls for the wrong woman, and then he's kind of got this whole thing where he's on the run from the mob. Uh, and yet, you know, it sounds like, for me anyway, it's like, ah, I wouldn't watch that piece of shit. It doesn't sound like my kind of thing at all. And yet it really worked. It was really kind of like, all right, you know, it's it's not your standard Pusiotashi, but I thought it really worked pretty well. Uh, you know, who else do we got here? We got strange people. You know, Sergio Greco, who's that? The Beast with a Gun. That's an odd one. 
Uh, probably the best thing about that is you got helmet burger and uh, Marissa Mel in it. Uh, You've but, seen that though, right? Yeah, sure, I've seen it. You know yeah, what it reminds yeah, it's me of? It's very violent. Yeah. yeah, it reminds me a bit of like a David Hess movie. It's a bit like, and it's not the same plot, but it's the idea of like hitchhike mixed with yeah. uh, kidnap from Bava, you know, that sort of a thing. Uh, sure. You know, a man called Magnum, uh, not Lisa Rebella, from uh, Michelle Massimo Tarantini. Uh, again, with Luke Miranda. Uh, you know, Cult 38 Special Squad from Massimo Delamano. Uh, that one's got Ivan Rasimov in it and Grace Jones, <laughs> which was great because there's a version on it that you won't find in any of her CDs, but it's on the soundtrack of a song called I Find My Way to You. Uh, Sylvia Cipriani wrote half of it, I think. I think he wrote the music for it. Uh, you know, these things are, especially once you start getting to Michael Mangum and Cult 30 Special Squad, these are, again, textbook ones. They, they came out relatively early on in the DVD uh, in releasing of these things, and there was kind and, of a reason for that. It, it, and, they were. And then oddball things appeared in the mixture of all this, I, I think. Like I Double think, Game? Yeah. yeah. I was actually yeah. thinking of Lucky Luciano. Oh, that's another by, one. By... Yeah. Uh, by Francesco Rossi, which which has a, a an amazing you know, it's like now here you could if this makes sense, it's an okay movie with an amazing performance. Yep. It's, it's Gian Gian Maria Volanti who was in the mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood Westerns early ones. And um And he, he was in uh what was it, the investigation of a season above suspicion, which is probably his best role. Yes. Yeah. That was and he's also in the Veloci papers too. Uh, Bronson yep. Veloci papers. Yep, we forgot to mention that. And um, it's an amazing performance. It's an okay movie. And since it's, you didn't mention like, the other Bronson one, since he did another police detective, it was Cold Sweat. <laughs> yes, Cold Sweat. I forgot about Cold Sweat. Yes. Yep. And and yeah, I I I, I remember seeing Lucky Luciano and Times Square. And Forty uh, Second Street, the Deuce. <laughs> Don't ask me what I was playing with; I can't remember. But uh, I was like, "What's this?" <laughs> and 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 I was like, "Wow, this is a good movie." Is that guy because he was so good in it? And you know, it's like if you could surround your lead act, you give your lead actor a good role, and the guy's a really good actor, and the stuff surrounding him is okay. The movie seems so much better. Yeah. And then you watch it years later when you, you become older. And you're like, that's a really shitty movie, but the guy's really great in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if it makes any sense, but it's, it's, it happens a lot. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, look at something like you mentioned before with Chris Mitchum, Rico the Meme Machine. Uh, the film yeah. is, isn't that fucking good. I'm sorry. People love it. Uh, but you got Barbara Boucher in it. You got Melissa Longo in it. So there's plenty of eye candy. Uh, and Chris Mitchum, okay, you know, he's... He's not his father, but he does an okay job, and you know He's this okay, whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's definitely a watchable film. It reminded me of, but in some ways, I thought it was better than one that you loved, which was the uh, the one with Ray Lovelock and the the Odato one. What the hell was that? Oh, um, I'm gonna get to that. Don't do it yet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I like Rico better. You don't than like that one. one. I love that one. Well, I didn't say I don't <laughs> like it at all. It's just like it was a lesser one for me. Whereas everybody loves it, and you're one of them. Uh, Secrets of a Call Girl was a strange one, uh, which was, 
again, another odd one. Uh, Edwidge Fenix in the damn thing. And it's similar in a way to Gambling City, but this time the girl's a prostitute. And she's, like, you know, involved with the mob and whatever the hell else and trying to get out of it. And it, It's the same idea where it's like, I really shouldn't give a damn about this movie. And yet, you know what? It works. Um, Fabrizio De Angelis, another guy that, uh, you know, uh, Giovanni Lombardo Vidicci has nothing but uh, <clears throat> good things to say about. <laughs> he was a producer, but he did a couple of films in the 80s, most of which were really bad. And uh, one of them being Deadly Impact, which had uh, Giovanni in it, and Bo Svensson and Fred Williamson. Um you know, it's basically like trying to be Ocean's Eleven. I mean, you were talking about a a heist movie, in effect. You know, they're trying to bust a casino. Uh, and, of course, it all goes wrong and whatever else. But it, it's – is it a good film? I would definitely not say that. But is it well, watchable? Well, you know, it's funny that you, that you brought that up because I, I actually, in the back of my mind, I, I was thinking of these things. When the Euro spy craze kind of started to like whittle down, even though the Bond movies were incredibly popular, they just made too many of them in Italy yep. back to back. Yep. And as good as some of them are, and and probably one day, I mean, I know you're a little weak in that area, and maybe maybe if you see more of them or whatever, some of them are really good, but they're just so damn obscure even today, and they were yeah. then. See, I love the Euro spy films that I've seen, but I've probably seen a dozen of them if you're lucky. Whereas you, you're like, uh, I don't know how many of these damn things you've seen. You're like fluent in them. <laughs> we can do this. I've seen too many of them. Definitely do it. But the point I wanted to make is that they then segue ever so slightly more and more into the heist genre. Right. And, and you know, like Kirk Douglas, who did The Master Touch uh, from Nicolay. Oh, Nicole, that's another and, one. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's like a slightly, slightly gangsterish kind of thing going on there. And then and then Lupo did a couple of these things: the Master Stroke and the Service of Her Majesty. Yeah, Richard Harrison, your favorite. And, uh, <laughs> thank you. I just remember him playing tennis with Bruce Lee, and those two girls with the, the boobs bounce up and down in slow motion. <laughs> those Dick Randall films. <laughs> Oh, Challenge of the Tiger. Yeah. Yeah. Richard yeah, Harrison yeah. has a lot of Dick Randall films and Bruce Lee films, and I love those. So. <laughs> I'm always surprised by those things. It's like, I'm thinking I'm going to have an innocuous hour and a half, or maybe 65 minutes. And yet um, they're insane, and you love them. <laughs> they're insane. They're like, they become so soft core, we get on the edge of porn, and yep. then there's brutal violence, and then there's like slapstick. I'm like, what am I watching? Well, it wasn't Challenge of the Tiger. I know one of them was one where they, it was a formula that was supposed to keep guys from getting it up. <laughs> and it was like, that was yeah. they were gonna, like drop it on countries. <laughs> yeah, it was bizarre. What the yeah. hell? <laughs> and I remember the Bruce Lee films he did with him. It was like he would have the X-ray, like when he hit somebody, of like a bone's breaking, and it was cheap skeleton with the broken bones. <laughs>
the eye candy and a lot of these movies was very skanky looking shirts. Yes, that's true. That's true. And 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 it was like. Uh, he's the hero cop and a skanky broad. And it's like, come on, she looked like a crack addict whore. <laughs> with, with sagging tits, too. You know, I was like, where did he get these girls? You know? Well, come on, Joe Collins is only one or two of them. Eh? <laughs> one, of, one or two of them, but we're talking about the whole genre. But that's actually the big joke, too, because those who were around before Dynasty made her a household name, that's what Joan Collins was known as. She was kind of like the easy meat that would pop up in all these, you know, whatever kind of shitty film you were doing, you know, like uh, Phase 4 or whatever the hell, just trying to make a paycheck and sleeping with everybody on the entire staff, trying to, you know, get herself a better part or whatever. Uh, And she had that reputation. Uh, And then all of a sudden, you know, Dynasty came along after, I think it was after the stud and the bitch, which were hilarious in themselves, uh, which your sister wrote. And then, uh, you know, now, of course, she's like, oh, Joe Collins. There was, oh, yes, I love her or whatever. I hate her. But, you know, back then, it was like, Joe Collins, there she is. You know, (laughs) skanky trash. I had a column like two years ago, and I said to somebody, who's that? Joe Collins. Is it (laughs) She She was like, like if somebody said, sit down, dear, I'm going to paint you. (laughs) <laughs> they make you look human. <laughs> um, another good one though by by Michael Lupo. Actually, this is a good one. It was Mean Frank and Crazy Tony, which was like a oddball kind of picture. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, okay, it wasn't bad. Yeah, Lee Van Cleef and Tony Lobianco, who who they probably hired from uh, the Seven Ups, and you know, I'm surprised Tony Lobianco didn't do more of these. But I, I probably suspect he was the kind of actor who said, like, I don't need to do these kind of pitches. Yeah. Probably true. Yeah. Probably true. But you're probably right. That true. was actually a decent one. You know, I wouldn't even fall to that one. Yeah. Uh, Human Cold Brews, you know, Beetle Albertini did that one. Is it any good? Eh. It's got Erica Blank in it. You know, it's about all you can say. Luciano Pagazzi. Your pal, Janine Renault, shows up in it. Uh, but... You know, the print that I saw was from, like, Miar or something. I'm like, oh, my God, this is barely watchable. Uh, I don't know where they get these things. It's like sub-VHS prints. Uh, there's something I have called the Big Guns Collection, which had uh, Tony Arzenta, Big Guns, in it. And, uh, you That's know... That's right? Yeah. Yeah, Lindelong's in it. Uh, Carla Gravina, Mark Perel. Uh, Nicoletta Machiavelli, who I always liked. She showed up in a lot of spaghetti westerns. Uh, very pretty, dark-haired girl. Erica Blanc's in it. Rosalba Neri. Anton Differing. I mean, there's a lot of people in this damn thing. Uh, actually, DeLon was in it because he was a, a uncredited co-producer of the damn thing. Um, but, you know, is it a great film? Again, maybe the presentation kind of influenced it because I saw it on one of those budget. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I'm a very big Alain DeLon. That I really there's stuff that people have not seen. He did late in his career, which is terrific. Yeah, um, he did a, a series of movies. He played he played this kind of dirty Harry type cop in the eighties. Yep, they're pretty good, but like they're 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 from France only. You know, and I, I managed to get them. And, I thought um, they put out but, a couple of his like uh, what was the one with the mannequins? Remember that one? Um, I think it was from actually the late sixties, to be honest with you. But they were French um, crime films. I wouldn't have included him in this because he's not really. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He could, he could, he could do. Yeah, he did a lot of. He did the Purple Dune, which is like really revered. It's Rene Clement. Right. That's. Um, but yeah, he did a lot of crime pictures early on. Well, Delon was an interesting then, character because if you believe Nico, who uh, claims that her son Ari, and you kind of see it with the eyes, uh, maybe uh, Delon's son, 
uh, from a yeah. liaison they had. You know, he was apparently involved in some mob type stuff. You know, he had some interesting connections. How true all this is, who knows? We're talking about a heroin addict on your story. Well, but he allegedly, he allegedly had his bodyguard kill somebody or some shit like that's that. That's what his I'm saying. His career never really recovered. Yeah, I'm trying to dance around some things, but yeah, you hear stories and I'm like, he's an interesting. I'm on Blog Talk Radio. We could do it. <laughs> It's, it's some things I'm just like totally open about it. The other one's like, yeah, I'll try to dance around that one. <laughs> but yes, Delon uh, is a, it's definitely a colorful character. You know, he's really so have these connections. And then occasionally you would have the oddball thing, not from Italy, but probably filmed there, uh, with the opium connection. Huge all star cast. Mm-hmm. Um, so. There's also known as the poppy is also a flower. Do you remember this? I think I've seen it years ago. I don't have it on disc or anything, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. E.G. Marshall, Trevor Howard, Rita mm-hmm. Hayworth, who was probably like sucking dick everywhere. <laughs> Anthony Quayle, Angie Dickinson, Yul Brynner, Eli Wallach, Santa Berger, blah, 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 blah. Howard Bernie, your favorite. Yep. And oh, it's like... Oh, for Franco. Uh, <laughs> it's like... The most bizarre all-star cast. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and this thing was like half produced by the United Nations, and it was supposed to be like this anti-drug movie because of heroin. Right. And they gave it to a guy who did a bomb movie. Uh, he did Dr. No, Terrence Young. And then it makes no sense. I think he handed <laughs> in the cut, and they didn't know what to do with it. Yep. So they decided to make it the spy movie, but Halfway through, they kill off half the cast. <laughs> now, have you ever seen a spy slash gangster movie where, okay, this guy's the hero, and he dies like 30 minutes into the movie? You're like, okay, so it's the most bizarre thing. And I think it's a bit of a hybrid, and uh, it's it's another oddity that kind of got shoehorned into this whole genre. Yeah. I mean, and there's other ones that are, like, totally forgettable, like Long Arm of the Godfather with Adolfo Celli and Erica Blanc, um, Crime Richard Boss from yeah. DiMartino, uh, which uh, had Telly Savalas in it, and Antonio Sabato, the, the not Junior, the father, and, and uh, Guido Lola Bridget, I guess he's Gina's unpopular sister. I actually like brother. that one. That's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, it was okay. I mean, I like Telly, and I'll say that. Uh you know, Death Rage, which I did like uh, from Margariti, which had uh, Yul Brenner and Barbara Boucher in it and Marcin Balsam. Uh, and Lindsay was a producer on this, which is funny considering, uh, you know, it's like I said, it's Margariti and you've got music from the Angeles Brothers. That's actually kind of like um, what The Mechanic. It's, it's a Italian version of The Mechanic, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, those of you who know your process films. Um, Confessions of a Police Captain, which is a Damiani. I mentioned some of those before. Uh, Summertime Killer, uh, which has called Walden and Olivia Hussey, and Chris Mitchum in it, uh, and Claudine Auger. Um, and Chris you know, Mitchum, yeah. It's one of the better Chris Mitchum movies. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I Am the Law, which was, uh, he had Claudia Cardinale in it, and Juliana Gemma, who was in a couple of uh, Spaghetti Westerns. Uh, I mentioned Mafia before from Damiani. Uh, and How to Kill a Judge, Machine Gun McCain. They made a big deal about that when it came over. I was like, eh, is this? it's just barely Policio Tesci to me. It didn't really feel right. Is that, uh, that's the Cassavetes, right? Yes, Cassavetes and uh, Britt Eklund, yeah. Peter Falk, uh, 
you know, Luigi Pistoli, Florian the Balkans in it, uh, those of you who like your Fulci. It's and, a very the, odd movie. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. I didn't think it worked with his shit. I'm like, really? This isn't really a police attache. I don't know what the hell it is, but... Uh, I, I think it should have been in color, too. I think that was the other problem, because it's in black and white. Now, DeLeo is another of my favorites, right? Up with or yeah. after Donnie, uh, depending on how you look at it. Uh, he did a lot of fun films. And once again, if you're looking at, okay, I wanted to get a couple of films that are like Plessio Teshi, you know, template. After Revolver, go for DeLeo right away. Uh, he did Milan Caliber 9 with uh, Gaston Machun and um, Barbara Boucher. Uh, Philippe Leroy is in the damn thing. Uh, the Italian Connection, also known as Manhunt, which has Henry Silver and Woody Strode in it, and Adolfo Celli, Luciana Paluzzi, Femi Belusi, uh, Sylvia Cascina, The Boss. These are all kind of like a trilogy, if you will. Uh, you know, Henry Silver's in that again. Johnny Garko's in it. Um, Rulers of the City, which was also known as Mr. Scarface, if you got more of a bootleg version of that. Jack Palance. Al Cliver's in it from the Fulci films. Uh, Edmund Purdom's in it. Uh, you know, these are... Basically, those three are more like the the thug, the killer working his way up or trying to get away from after they decide he's not uh, worthy of keeping on the, the payroll anymore. Uh, you know, some mobster. And that's kind of all it is, but that really belies all the craziness and action going on. You know, there's a lot of. Yeah. You know, I remember the one had a shootout in a um, a used car. Uh, what are we gonna call it? Uh, a junkyard, basically. And Sometimes, that, you know, 25 minutes worth of, you know, action, if you will, was really, like, totally unforgettable. I mean, you watch this thing, like, wow, what did I just see there? That was really good. Uh, especially when, you know, there's so many of these guys, and he ends up coming out on top by himself and strolls out by himself. It's like a spaghetti western. So, once again, you got the, the tropes of the spaghetti western being put into this more modern urban setting. Uh, shoot first, die later. Uh, that also wasn't too bad. Look, Miranda, Richard Conti, uh, Kidnap Syndicate, and then we're starting to get to a little more questionable ones. It wasn't too bad. Look, Miranda, James Mason was in that one. Uh, the one I really didn't like that he did was uh, Naked Violence, and that was a, mm. uh, something he pulled from the headlines kind of a thing. Uh, some kids, um, high school kids, whatever the hell, wound up screwing and killing their teacher. It, it's really kind of, you know, uh, Susan Scott's in it, and you have a Navarro. That's really the only reason to watch it. If you're going to watch it, I would skip that one like the plague. But another one that he did after that was really good. That was a nasty one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like a Diodato film almost. It's really nasty. Uh, but Loaded Guns, which everybody kind of questions or dances around, it's lots of fun. It's got Ursula Andrews, Woody Strode, Mark Perel. It's basically, once again, he's doing his typical, you know, Plutio Teshi sort of a thing. And yet he throws some comedy into it. So you're kind of crossing the sensuous nurse, if you will, with, you know, a Fernando de Leo film. And, you know, it sounds like, oh, God, will that work? It actually does. It's a lot of fun. Uh, that's actually another one my wife liked. Um, you know, de Leo films are, how would you describe them? Uh, they're colorful. They're entertaining. They're action-packed. Uh, but they are uh, easily digestible, I guess. Uh, well, you, I guess you could say they're unique in, in, in the whole yeah, genre they're, world. They're yeah. different from the other guys that are directing these films. You, know, you can sort of pick up tropes that you'll see everywhere else. His are kind of... Uh, 
I don't know. They're not always lighthearted, that's for sure. Uh, but they stand out among the crowd. I think there's a reason that of all these guys, uh, and again, we're talking about you know, questioning his talent and everything else, but in terms of picking out good movies, he always had decent taste. Quentin Tarantino always you know, isolated him like, oh yeah, Fernandez and Leo, I really like this guy, he championed him. There's a reason for that, because his films stand out. They've got uh, personality, if you will. Um, well, that's probably, probably why Revel Radio uh, the, the Italian company that actually released a few things over here right. actually invested in two Blu-ray box sets of DeLeo crime films. Yes, but they skipped Loaded Guns, which was like, well, why'd you put Naked Violence in and not Loaded Guns? Are you crazy? <laughs> well, they probably didn't so. get the rights to it, I have to assume. There's some, so yeah. But even so, yeah, I mean, there's a reason for that, like you said. Now, okay, yeah. we'll go to your favorite. Which again, I don't hate this film, uh, but I don't like it. I didn't think it was great. Uh, I've seen I don't much like better. It. Even I like that. Well, very reflection there. I don't sure. like it. <laughs> Even like the violent professionals reminds me of that was much more entertaining. I liked both of those guys. You know, there was kind of a buddy cop film sort of a, a thing going on here. These two guys are like two unlikable jerk offs. Uh Fred and Tony, that was actually one of the names that was released under, I believe. Live like a cop, die like a man. Diodato's only, I believe, crime film. Uh it's got, you know, Mark Perel and Ray Lovelock. Uh, Fernando DeLeo actually wrote the screenplay, if you can believe that. Adolfo Celli's in it. Uh, Sylvia Dionisio, who was uh, Diodato's first wife, I always liked her. Uh, she's in this thing. Avalo Vitali's in it. We were talking about the Italian comedies, uh, like the Pierino films. Uh, and also Fellini. He was in um, Amarcord and things like that. Uh, but for me, it's like, I don't know, the, the two of them are just like kind of rubbing me the wrong way. And I wasn't that entertained, but I was like, Eh, you know, I got it afterwards. Like, yeah, I guess that was all right. I don't know. <laughs> you know, one of those kind of things that I really need to spend money on. That it, it wasn't that good. Uh, but you know, people love this film. It talked like it's you know one of the greatest or whatever. Just maybe because it's just Diodato, because everybody's got a Diodato fetish. Uh, what's your take? Because I know you don't like Diodato as a rule. So I'm yeah, curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be unique about this. <laughs> I can't fucking stand Diodato. I met the man. He's nice. I interviewed him live on stage. Several times, and he's, he's he's an okay guy. I really don't like his movies. So that makes sense, right? He seems like a nice man. David has liked him. David has didn't like his movies either, but he was making money. I kind of like this movie a lot because it's insane. Um, yes, Mark Perel and Ray Lovelock are, are two cops, and... Yes, they're not likable. They're kind of just like they're there. There's just two characters, kind of like Starsky and Hutch, but no chemistry. Yeah, but no, they have no chemistry. They're sleazy, and I've heard people do a reading of this, which you can see after I've heard this, that they may be gay on each other. And I was like, okay, I wouldn't have thought that right That's away. That's possible, too. Yeah, That's, I can see I it. I haven't heard I can, of I can that. See that reading. It's possible. Yeah. yeah. But I... I I think the thing that, you know, we've been talking about a lot of the tropes that the genre has. And, and well, yeah, you know, you talk about gay and show, they do ride in tandem on the same motorcycle a lot, don't they? Yeah, yeah and they seem to be interested in the same girl, so to speak. And, you know, nobody really seems to matter except, you know, the partner, if you will. And, yeah, that's a trope of buddy cop films and all that stuff anyway, but 
these guys aren't really buddy cops, and they're kind of young and sleazy and angry, and something's off about it the whole time. Something about the film feels wrong from minute one, and maybe that's what you like about it, what I don't like about it. Um, but, you know, after having read at least two people say, oh, yeah, you know, there's this homoerotic undercurrent here that's really, like, you know, above the subtext level. It's, like, you know, right there in your face. I'm like, yeah, maybe that's kind of what I was picking up, too. There's something odd about their relationship dynamic and the way they treat other people and the way they treat women and the way – it's just – Yeah, yeah, the way they treat women especially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that. yeah. yeah, 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 the undercurrent is there. I think one of the things I find about this movie so repulsive and yet attractive to me, because I'm that kind of a guy, is um, the when the violence kicks in, it's just over the top. So over the top. It's like it's the bottom. I expected that. You know, and that's why yeah, I never somebody got past gets, being repulsed. I was like, eh, I don't know about this movie. Somebody <laughs> gets a purse snatched, and then they drag her. Yes. For blocks, finally banging her head against I don't know, concrete and another car gun those and they catch they see this and they're like right off they're on the trail of these guys. And then like the most violent chase. I mean it's like really, you know, like bullet was the uh the uh blueprint for like car chases and like amped up in the seven ups, which I mentioned before, you know, you've you've got okay, we got motorcycles now. You know? Yeah, and uh, this is some insane stuff. It's like balls to the wall insanity. Um, I mean, and then when they catch the 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 perpetrators of crimes in this movie, it's like let's beat them to near death or beat them to death. Yeah, I was like, I'm not gonna step on your line, but yeah, it's like let's kill them. <laughs> we got them now. Like what? <laughs> Yeah, we got him. Let's kill him. It, it like, takes oh. it a step above Lindsay. It takes a step above Fulci. It takes a step above Argento. This is violence for the sake of just, I don't know, like meanness. It's like a, a nasty edge to it that goes beyond, okay, well, this is what's called for, and here's the emotional extra kick that I'm going to go a little further than that. This just goes into sadism for sadism's sake, if you will. And not in the kinky sense, just in the kind of the ick sense, you know, almost like a, a nazi sort of sense, like, ooh, why are you going there? I don't like this. <laughs> that's kind of the vibe that I got off the film. That's why I don't really like it. But well, that's very interesting because, yeah, maybe it's insight into myself. Because <laughs> I don't... As, <laughs> as, as, as I just said, I don't normally like the Adatomos, especially for the reasons we know. It's not so much the cannibal films, obviously, but, you know, there are films in there that I get a kick out of, even crap like Dial Help. I, get a, I enjoy that. Uh, what no, was Dial that Help that? was okay, but that was... The uh, vacation, what was that, uh, late in his career, right around the time, time was at Dial Help. Went, went oh, up the was resort. Dial Help. Yes. Wasn't there Charlotte, somebody or other? Yes, Charlotte, Charlotte. Uh, not Gainsborough, what the hell was your name, Charlotte... Uh, she was in a raging with big touch. Yeah, yeah, very pretty. She was in the Golden Child with Eddie Murphy too. Very pretty girl. But you know, even the one that David Hess did when they were up at the uh, the resort, if you will, it's more like a um, a Boy Scouts camp where they go to a sleazy joint in the woods. Oh, Spring! Uh, welcome to Spring Break or whatever. It's well, called. Welcome to Spring yeah, Break yeah. was later. Yes, I enjoyed that one too. But in those kind of films, I get a kick out of. This yeah, one was. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like I said, the sadism and the the vibe were just too 
off-putting for me. Interesting, yes. It was not so, oh, I'm going to get rid of this. It's horrible. It was just like, I don't know if I like this film. I don't think I do. <laughs> and, and, I then, and then there's, there's, if I recall right now, I haven't seen this in a little while. Not a lot of while, but a little while. If I recall, there was like this violent, I think it was a gang rape in this movie. And, and then when one of the heroes finally shows up, I think it's this movie, I hope it is, it's very ambivalent about it all. Yeah. It's supposed to be like someone he cares about. Exactly. He like, I think he, yeah, he throws her a, uh, a piece of cl- a clothing, like a shirt he or something. Himself, like, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, to dress yourself like, wow, that's really showing concern here. And that's what I was saying with that reading that I was reading. I'm like, okay, and it wasn't me that said this. There's some other people that said this. I'm like, yeah, I guess I can see that. They kind of really don't seem to give a shit about anything or anybody else. No other relationships matter except the two of each other. And they've got sort of a sadistic relationship to each other. So it's like, ah, this right, is... Right, right. And they're not even tight. We don't see them tight. So exactly. it's like, it's like this weird, yeah, I don't know, maybe it's one of the things that attract them into it. This weird kind of relationship these characters got. Yeah. Um, like, so there... No, go ahead. You get something to say about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like it a lot. It's... Um, Oh, here's a great line. I actually took notes about this one. They, 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 there's, there's, yeah, you glass. There's, there's like there's a there's a part of the movie where there's there's flirting with the secretary. I think it might be Adolfo Celli's secretary. Adolfo was I think it's Adolfo playing the the police chief. Yep. And they're like they're bantering with one another. Who's going to get the secretary? Because he's going to he's going to And then and then. In front of her, one guy says to the other one, I forgot which one says it, which one of us is going to fuck her first. I mean, that is so freaking bizarre. Who writes dialogue like that? <laughs> and, yeah. and what does she do? Because it's a Diodato movie, she smirks. Yep. Yep. <laughs> In it's real true. life, that would not be the reaction, but she smirks. <laughs> Uh, oh, actually, there's a Delio film that I had forgotten, uh, Madness, the Concepura Mascaro, or Massacre, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with Joe Delisandro and Lorraine DeSella, who was in the, uh, speaking of Diodato, uh, House by the Edge of the Park. Um, you know, for one of those kind of films, for basically like a David Hess sort of a film, it works. You know, I, I liked it enough. Uh, you know, they're up on top of a mountain, basically, and isolated all these uh, proto-yuppies. And uh, this scumbag comes in, and you know, basically, because they're all perverse, they get seduced by him because he goes around with his shirt up all the time, like Del Sandro's prone to do. And uh, of course, he turns out to be a loon. Uh, so, you know, it's not really a police attache in that respect, but it's usually classified as one per se. I mean, you know, it depends how you classify these things. Obviously, uh, there's no cops and mobsters or anything like that involved, but you know, it's a crime film. Uh, and of course, it is by Deleo, which is why I kind of had it off in the end here. Um, Romulo Guerreri, of all people, did something called Ring of Death uh, or Inspector Belli, uh, which is the way I think it came over from. Uh, it was like a oh, re- Frank, Franco Nero, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Shop the print from Code Red that's not even complete, but Franco Nero's in it. Florinda Balcon's in it. Adolfo Celli. It's not bad. I kind of liked it. Um, you know, Young, Violent, and Dangerous from again Romulo Guerreri. Uh, this has Eleanor Georgie, who's a pretty girl that showed up in a couple of nunsploitation films. Uh, Thomas Millian's in it. You know, is it a good film? Eh, it was watchable. Um, 
a Damiani that I had forgotten, but I think I'd mentioned offhand was Most Beautiful Wife, with Donella Muti in it. Uh, you know, again, his films are what they are. They're kind of personal dramas that impact on, you make grand political social statements. Um, they're thinking man's films, and this one, you know, just as much as any of the others. Uh, the Smiling Maniacs with Franco Nero, that was a strange one. Uh, it's basically about, uh, again, it's almost like a Damiani film, but it's not. That's by somebody named Marcello Alicarandi. Uh, Franco Ray, uh, sorry, Franco Nero, Fernando Ray. Uh, Martin Balsam's in it. Uh, but it's the same thing where this guy's going to be a judge and he finds out that, oh, by the way, all these politicians are, you know, corrupt and whatever, and he's trying to expose them and it ends up becoming a big deal at the end. Uh, the usual. Is that the same movie as How to Kill a Judge? Is that the same movie? No, it sounds like it, but it's a different movie. So that's what I'm saying. How to Kill a Judge, I think, was Damiani. Uh, this is this other fellow. But same idea. It's almost like ripped from the the same cloth. Uh, Blazing Magnum, uh, from DiMartino. This is probably the best of the DiMartino films, I'll say that. Yeah, I like that one, too. Yeah, Stuart yeah. Whitman, Martin Landau's in it, uh, John Saxon. You know, appreciate the drinking sessions there, Stuart Whitman, Martin Landau. Tisa <laughs> uh, Farrow, you know, spread doing some coke. Uh, <laughs> is this the movie that was... Is this the movie that was so decent that they actually tried to retitle it Strange Shadows in the Empty Room? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> well, as a jello. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good I know film. too much stuff. Oh, my head hurts. Yeah. It is a good film. Um, you know, there's something called Highway Race here or Poliziotto Pol- Sprint, uh, which is uh, Maritza Murley, uh, Stovio Massi. Uh, Stovio Massi is the director. Willie Karate's in it. You know, yeah. whatever. You know, Murley films. Is, this is pre, pre to her porn period before Willie Karate went into porn. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see what else. Uh, you Frank- know what? I, 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 oh, I don't want to interrupt you, but I wanted to take a moment to, you know, Maurizio Murley is a really interesting character. You know, everybody thought he was like this, he was like a, 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 a supporting actor that somehow got bumped up to this part, like a, a lead role during this, the craze as these movies got so popular. And I don't know how do you describe him. You know, he wasn't really attractive. You know, I think he did like one movie without the mustache where he was unattractive. Merrily, I think yeah, he got I hired. Mean, I think he got hired because he looked like Franco Nero. They've, I've actually heard people say that. Yeah, you might be uh, right. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. blonde. He was kind of beefy. He kind of reminded me of like Richard Harrison more than Nero. Uh, and he was really where Nero was kind of nuanced and he could get angry or he could be calm or he could be whatever. Uh, basically, he's a better actor is the bottom line. Uh, Merrily was more like uh, a Charlie Bronson type where he was really mm. into the role and damn it, he's going to get these crooks. And I think he actually may have believed what he was putting across, that kind of a guy. Um, mm. You know, and I enjoy Merrily's films. I've got to say that. I mean, if you're going to say, okay, who are guys that you really like in these movies? Like, Okay, well, I like Franco Nero a lot. I like Mercer Merrily. Yeah, he's up there. Uh, yeah, and the, and the thing about Merrily was a lot of, I, I, I found a lot of his co-stars had said, you know, when he started out, blah, blah, blah. And I said, but after a while, he, he was like, he started to believe because he became very successful at this. Yes. And he had a series of movies in and, and, and a particular character role. 
And after a while, it was like, if you were working with him, he would say, I have to go off by myself to think about the scene. And they were like, what the fuck? <laughs> and the funny thing was, though, he died young, though. I think he died yes. in his 40s. He was playing tennis. He was like 42 or 44 or something. Yeah. And uh, yeah. he just collapsed, which seems strange because he seemed like a healthy guy. You know, he was burly and obviously moved around enough in these films anyway. Uh, he didn't look like he was jowly or, you know, smoking too much or whatever, but who knows? Yeah, and there, uh, and there was no, actually no, even all these years later, I think something would have came out of there was, but there there was no talk anyway that he was ever a drugs or abuser anything, yeah. of drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's just I mean, probably one of those things that happens. You can assume that, but I don't think so because nothing was ever said. No. There are all things that no, get said no. in Hollywood, you know. Uh I think you may have mentioned this one, Michelle Lupo with Frank and Tony, which has uh, Lee Van Cleef and Tony Lobianco and Edward Fanning yeah, in it. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, here's one that I know we didn't mention, The Super Bitch, uh, with Massimo Delmano, uh, with Ivan Rasimov and Stephanie Beecham, who actually, yes. uh, the name of the film was originally, I don't know, Mafia Junks or some crap, but yes. they renamed it in honor of her because apparently she was such a bitch to work with, and she, like, really hated this and tried to keep them from seeing it, but it's still out there, and it's actually out under that title to this day. Uh, it's pretty good, you know, basically, it, it is what it sounds like. It's a crime film, but, you know, she manipulates people using her hots, basically. Um, Let's see what else we got here. Jack and Morris. I always thought no. Stephanie Beecham was a hottie when she was young, too. Oh, no. she was. She was. I liked her. Uh, yeah. Let's see. And she was in some of the Said Pete Walker. Said with conviction. <laughs> <laughs> we had mentioned that earlier. We were talking about the Pete Walker films a couple weeks ago. Uh, yes, let's see. Cynic Rat and the Fitch, you had mentioned earlier. It's another Merrily film with John Saxon, Thomas Millian. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh I don't. Lunsey films are a little dark for me. I'll watch them, but it's like it doesn't work as well. Something like a Deleo, for example. Uh, let's see. There's another one that works. Murtzo uh, Merrily and uh, Violent Naples, which is another Lunsey yeah. film with John Saxon and Barry Sullivan in it. Uh, believe it or not, Barry Sullivan. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. The Cop in Blue Jeans, I think I mentioned earlier with Thomas Millian and Jack Palance, where he was basically, uh, you know, a motorcycle cop. Uh, I mentioned the investigation of Citizen Above Suspicion before. That's an Elio Petri film. Uh, Florida Balcons in that with Jean-Marie Volante. Uh, Meet Him and Die just came out recently, uh, at least on Blu-ray. Uh, Franco Prosperi did that one with uh, Ray Lovelock and Martin Balsam. Elkie Summers in it. Eh. That's a weird uh, one. That's a weird one, though. I I, I think yeah, we've mentioned Elkie Summer on, on uh, our Baba show and a few other shows. Um, yeah, the French show, uh, I know. Yeah, yeah, and if if you like the form of Elke, this is the movie to buy. Um, other than that, it's a little sadistic, a little mean spirited. Um, it's about all I can remember about it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, it was a mean spirited, but there's lots of naked Elke, so, you know. It's, yeah, that's kind of why I'm tossing some of these out there. There's not always a lot to say about them, especially if you've seen so many of these films. Like, well, they all kind of blend together after a while, except for point A and point B and this actor and whatever. Um, Death Occurred Last Night, uh, that came out recently from Duchette Tassari. 
nobody really in it. Gabrielle Kinty's in it. Uh, Beryl Cunningham is in it. Those of you who like her, pretty black girl. But that's, that's sort of like one of those weird movies that serve like maybe a thriller and might be vaguely a jello. Yeah, they try to push it off as a jello in the past. It's not really a jello. It's kind of. Uh, it's more or less a Policia Apache. I can see why they thought it was a jello, especially in the wake of uh, what have you done to Solange and whatever happened to your daughters. Uh, especially mm-hmm. the latter, but it's not quite as. I mean, you know, uh, who is it? Uh, it's, it's not Martin Balsam, but he's like a Martin Balsam type. Uh, I don't know if it's Frank Wolf or Ralph Ballone. He's going around chasing around. Like, okay, who was it? Who took my? Oh, you know, I think it's Frank Wolf. Daughter and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like basically prostituted her and killed her or whatever the hell. Uh, you know, because she was kind of like I said, she's retarded, she's simple minded. Uh, and that's really it. But it's not. Even though it's sort of a mystery and a uh, uh, not a police procedural, but a procedural in that respect, it's not really a jalo. I mean, there's not really like, oh, look at all the sleazy characters and everybody's corrupted. No, not really. It's more like, I don't know. And and and, and it tends to be funny. Those of you who have, uh, you know, don't mind the spoilers. A spoiler alert uh, that it turns out to be like a next door neighbor to his house. Uh, but you know, is it a fantastic film? No, it was interesting. Is it a Jalo? No, not really. I can see why they said that, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And again, you got music from Jerry did a couple of these and, things. And then, curiously enough, he made one back to back with that with a very similar title. Really? Which one was that? Yeah, I, I forgot the name of the title. I thought you were going to help me out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he did, and for years I was like, "Oh, I'm watching the same movie." Oh no, it's not. I'm watching this movie. And and uh, yes, I, if, I, if I remember, I will name drop it or edit to a comment section. <laughs> Here's another one from Lindsay, actually. Gang War Milan, uh, Philippe Leroy, Marissa Mel. Again, does it really stand out? No. You know. um, Stunt Squad, which was from somebody named Domenico Palolella. Uh Nobody's in it that you would know. You know, it's from the title, you're figuring, okay, wow, this is going to be like um, Emergency Squad. Remember that one we mentioned earlier? Yeah. Uh, you know, with the motorcycle cops, and they kind of they bring them out to do the really hard shit and whatever, and they do this crazy, you know, beach from the airplane, the helicopter, and whatever. Okay, you think it's going to be like that? And Yeah, okay, they did do a couple of motorcycle stunts, but it didn't live up to its title. It wasn't like uh, Stunt Rock, those of you who've seen that one, the, the ridiculous uh, movie with that band Sorcery. That was fun. Uh, this one is like... Yeah. All right, you know, it's passable, I guess. Uh, Killer Cop from Luci- Luciana Urkeley. Again, nobody much in it. Arthur Kennedy's in it. Uh, that's kind of those, you know, where it was 50 or so, 50, 60 films, is my collection that I have personally. I've seen some more, but, you know, the, the genre really was one of the last ones to come to DVD. I mean, you had things like the Euro horrors, you know, like the, the um, uh, what do you want to call them? The Gothics, Italian Gothics, and mm. the earlier uh, Fulci's and the earlier Argentos, things like that, the Filipino films. They were coming at the dawn of the medium when, the, when DVD came out, you know, back in the 90s. Stuff like right. this, you got some that came in the middle 2000s, I guess, but really, yeah. it seems like the bulk of them came fairly recently. I mean, yeah, okay, no shame's been out of business for a while. They were kind of big on them. So it's not like last year, but comparatively, in, in the range of, okay, when did DVD really kind of break out to now, when it's kind of dying out, and going Blu-ray and kind of disappearing, 
they came late in the genre. There weren't a lot of them that hit. It was one of the latter things for the companies to tap, if you will. It was kind of like a low priority. And there may be a reason for that because they are, in a lot of respects, quote, all the same. That's not true. There's a, a value judgment that you can get from watching a good one versus watching something like, you know, an Alberto Di Matino film. Uh, you sure. put that against a Leo film or a Damiani film or something that stars Franco Nero or Richard Murley. It's like, yeah, that one doesn't work, but these do. But they're all kind well, of Well, no, same. well said. I mean, you can take that for, 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 for a lot of different genre films. You know, yeah, yeah, true. It's value judgment. But, but you, you know, know I and again, the bottom line is they're all very yeah. similar. So go ahead. They are all very similar, sure. You can say about a lot of things, too. <laughs> like the, 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 the peplums, yeah, you know, God damn. Yes, that's another one. But and it's spaghetti there's about, Yeah, but there's about 30 of them that are so unique, and you're like, who would think of this? But they're cool. But yeah, then there's and, 200 of them. <laughs> yeah, so you got to delve the way, 200. Someday yeah. we should probably tackle the Spaghetti Westerns. I was reluctant for the same reason I was reluctant to tackle these, because it's like, well, I've seen so many of them, but only a couple of them stand out for, you know, okay, here's this, this director is usually better than the others. These stars I usually enjoy more than the others. This particular film really sucks or really is great, but otherwise, you know, it, it's a cop film. If you've seen, and it's not really if you've seen one, you've seen them all. It? You can't even do a direct comparison to something like a canon film, for example. But you know, the police attaches, once you've seen a couple of the good ones, you kind of know what to expect. Once you've seen a couple of the bad ones, you know how bad they can get. And everything in between is just gravy. Okay, I enjoy this, so therefore I'm going to get more of them. Or, ah, screw that, I've seen enough of it, I'm done. And you're, yeah. you're probably okay. Uh, it's not like, you know, even a Diodato film or a Lindsay film or a Fulci film where it's like, well, yeah, you've seen this and this and this, but have you seen this when he tries this genre? Or have you seen this film when he was really at his height? You know, it's not that case. It's really like, well, okay, if you've seen Revolver, you've seen a DeLeo film or two, maybe you've seen a Castellari, you've seen at least one Maurizio Merrily film and at least one Franco Nero film, yeah, you're probably good. You know, If you don't like it, you've seen more than enough. Was was uh, before we got off this, um, or get off this, uh, around the time of Revolver, was Sitting Target? That's a Michael Winter picture, isn't it? Yes. Um, sitting Target. Jeez, what year was that? Seventy six, maybe? Because that was around. No, now. I think it's earlier. I think it's earlier. I think it's around seventy two. Oh, so it was that. Yeah, and it has a young Ian McShane and Oliver Reed. And it's a little, a little bit, well, not too similar, but it's got the feel of Revolver. And I think, really? yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not an Italian picture, but yeah, it's a really good. If you look at a good, I Oliver love Reed movie. Machine. That's kind, of, and yeah. I love Oliver Reed. So I mean, you know, once you got. You, not even just from Love Joy and things like that, but you go back to things like he was doing with the armchair theater shows and stuff, or uh, you know what was it, the Three or Four Musketeers that he was in. You know, McShane was always a really good actor, and he's got a lot of personality. Reed is a very um, how do you want to call it, larger than life personality, I guess, more than an actor. He's kind of the uh, the Klaus Kinski of Britain. Uh, and therefore I find him amusing and entertaining in his own screwed-up way. Um, mm. 
you know, there's some stories about him. Just listen to Nico Masaraka's interview I did back on Third Eye Cinema, and you'll get a hilarious story about him uh, pissing out of a helicopter on people. Uh, you know, the guy's unbelievable. He's, he's over the top, large. And life. yet, and yet, and yet, you find these things on YouTube, which are befuddling to say the least. Where he's there, there's this thing I don't know where it's from, and this guy is. is querying him on acting he's setting him straight and it's like wow what is this <laughs> and then there's another no it's very it's very well said it's very well spoken and it's like well why don't you put some of these things together and like don't give us a good performance damn it and then there's, <laughs> a, there's a few others where he's like blotto and yet he can pull himself together like I I very rarely see anybody that blotto who could pull themselves together. So it's amazing what he could do. No, um, but sitting uh, target. If if you've not seen it, you should check it out. Um, it's got the feel of some of these things. Actually, <clears throat> if I'm correct, and I believe I am, um, Oliver's done time. He was with a guy, Ian McShane, his buddy, and they were in prison, hard prison. And McShane got out, and then McShane is loving Oliver's girl and Oliver's pissed. So he <laughs> breaks out of jail and then the the money that they stole, he's thinking everybody's screwing him. And I forgot who the girl is. She's Susan George or somebody of that type. But it's really good. It's really got the feel of the kind of movies we're talking about tonight. Okay. But uh, that's pretty much it that I want to say. Our because, show. Again, unlike our usuals, it's not something where I think we really need to delve into particular films unless you have anything mm -hmm. else you want to go into. Because, again, once you've seen certain high points, you kind of know what to expect. It's not like a, a miraculous uh, realm of discovery, if you will. Um <laughs> You know, and the same thing applies to spaghetti westerns. Same thing applies to a lot of things, uh, Charlie Bronson films, for example, uh, or Chuck Norris films. You kind of get the idea once you've seen one or two key ones. Or I things. know you want to do a Charles Bronson show one of these. Days. I so want to do a Canon film show, and Bronson himself, uh, Chuck Norris, uh, Michael Dudikoff. I mean, the whole deal. I mean, that's, <laughs> Michael I love that shit. That, that's just like it's the ultimate in cheese. <laughs> You know, I you know me. I'm the farthest thing from neocon as you can find. But and I was like, why do you watch all these films? Like, I love this shit. It's great. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I I I I probably have to watch the Canon documentary that just came out or unleashed itself somewhere before I even attack of such a thing. But uh, well, even we, crap we, like we, the Kids Always Minds movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something to think about. But anyway, that's our show for tonight then, right? Yes, so that's it for tonight. Uh, so uh, in, I guess, next week, uh, unless we have another interruption, uh, we put on a stiff upper lip and offer a touch of class. So from Cold War, Bond-inspired spy shows to atmospheric occult and sci-fi miniseries and telefilms, we took everything from Jason King, Adam Adamant, The Persuaders and the Avengers and all its incarnations, to ostensible, quote, children's programming like The Tomorrow People into The Labyrinth, Children of the Stones and King of the Castle, to Zodiac and the yearly ghost stories for Christmas, with semi-comic SF oddities like Star Maidens, The Secret Service, Space 1999, uh, Top Notch 
Brian's Clemens thrillers and one also like the Nightmare Man, Casting the Rooms, and Louis Jordan Dracula along the way. We'll see how many of those we get to. Uh, we're pulling in as much non-who British cult telly of the late 60s and mid-80s we can manage. Only here on Weird Scenes Inside the Gold Mine when we talk classic British cult television. So uh, stay tuned next week. And hopefully we'll be past all our uh, technical glitches at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. But thanks for listening. And uh, I'm sure the wizards that will uh, take care of such things will like probably edit the show different from the live version that you heard tonight. Yes. Hopefully we'll chop off um, most of that first 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And, you know, Eurocrime is there and the... Uh, if you're a neophyte, I think we gave some pointers on some of the good pictures uh, and some of the bad ones for those who yes. like to uh, torture themselves. <laughs> so uh, thank you again for listening. Take care. See you next week. So thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoyed a little chat on the Blitz and Dash. Next week we are talking British cult television. Uh, those of you who are filmmakers, musicians, or you that like to drop us a line or join us on air, uh, drop us a line at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash weirdscenes1, or our website, weirdscenes1.wordpress.com. Weird Scenes 7 Goldline brought to you by the Top Online Network of Gold Radio.